When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. Summer is upon us with its long, lazy days and sultry nights. It invited me outside with arms wide open, coaxing me from my house with infinitely blue skies and sparkling waters. On one of those wonderfully warm days, I went over to a friend's house for dinner. She lives in a very fashionable apartment in the buzzing city center of Zurich, and that apartment she has managed to turn into a haven of peace, an oasis of calm. As I was climbing up the stairs, piano music came floating out of the open door, and as I reached the apartment, my friend called me to come in from the kitchen. Just as I entered the apartment, something in the entrance area caught my eye. A large mirror that I hadn't seen before. It was quite unusual, not only because of its size, but also because, instead of a frame, there were countless small mirrors arranged around the glass as a decoration. Immediately I felt drawn to it. What an unusual mirror, I said to my friend as she came out of the kitchen to greet me. She beamed. Isn't it? I've been looking for one of those for years, and just recently I happened to stumble upon this one in an antique shop just around the corner. It's bohemian glass, equally famous but lesser known than the mirrors from Venice. It was just delivered yesterday, and I am in love. Something in the kitchen beeped, and she vanished once more. I heard her cluttering with pots and pans. The mirror drew me in. I went to examine it more closely, and despite it being an antiquity, the glass was still crystal clear. I leaned in, blinked at my reflection, and suddenly the image blurred, and the face I was looking at was no longer my own. The first teller for this episode is Anne Shimojima. Anne tells folktales from around the world and stories from her Japanese heritage, reminding us that to be human is to travel the most fascinating journey of all. She says that stories help us find our place in the world today, and she has released a new CD called Sakura Tales, Stories from Japan. Please enjoy her sharing the story of the Tea Master. Lord Yamano Uchi had in his household a tea master, an expert in chanoyu, the ritual ceremony of making and serving tea. The Lord loved the tea ceremony. He would enter his small tea house where the tea master awaited him. He would admire the hanging scroll and fresh flowers that the tea master had so carefully chosen. 
The two men would sit together, and the tea master would begin the ceremony using careful, precise movements in the quiet room. He would fold the cloth carefully and clean the tea scoop. He would pour hot water into the teacup to warm it, empty out the cup, and dry it. He would carefully scoop the tea into the cup, add hot water, take the whisk, and whisk the tea. He would turn the bowl carefully so the front would face the Lord, and he would present it. And as the Lord sipped his tea, the outside world with its cares and worries would melt away, and he would be at peace. The Lord held his tea-master in such high regard that he allowed the tea-master to wear the robes and carry the two swords of a Samurai warrior, and whenever he traveled, the Lord would take the tea-master along with him. One day, the tea-master was walking down the street on an errand for the Lord when he came to a small bridge. At the bridge he saw a Ronin, a masterless Samurai. The Samurai's eyes narrowed, he was something of a bully, and he saw a small older man wearing a samurai's robes who did not look very strong or bold, and the samurai decided to challenge him. Hey, who are you to wear such robes? Oh, sir, I am only a tea master. I wear these robes on order of my lord. Well, then, responded the samurai, then you should know how to use your swords. I challenge you to a duel. The tea master's heart dropped. He was no swordsman. He knew that such a duel would end with his death. But to refuse the duel would be to dishonor the Lord. He could only hope to die with dignity. Please, sir, he said, I am on an errand. Let me finish, and I shall return to you later today. You have my word that I shall return. The Samurai agreed. The tea master continued on his way, his heart heavy. After the errand was done, he saw a building that was a school of swordsmanship, and he decided to talk to the master swordsman and ask for his advice on how to die as a samurai would. He was admitted, and he and the master swordsman sat together. The tea master explained his situation. The swordsman said, Hmm, usually men come for advice on how to fight, not how to die. But you say that you are a tea master. Please prepare me a cup of tea. The tea master was happy to do so. It might be his last chance to perform the ceremony that he so loved. The swordsman had all the utensils, so after the water was heated, the tea master began. Slowly his mind focused on his task until every cell of his being was at one with the task of serving tea. There was no other thought in his mind. The swordsman sipped his tea thoughtfully and then said, I have it. You should go to your duel with the same state of mind as in the tea ceremony. You should be focused. Greet the samurai as you would an honored guest. Take off your outer robe and fold it carefully. Take your long sword in two hands. When the samurai gives his attack cry, strike. You need do nothing more. The tea master bowed and thanked the swordsman. He went back to the bridge. The samurai waited for him, but the man he saw coming seemed completely different. The tea master walked calmly, his eyes clear. He bowed, took off his outer robe, and folded it carefully. He took his long sword in both hands and stood ready. 
The samurai did not see the man he expected before him. He saw a formidable opponent, and he realized his error. He knelt, bowed, and gave his apology, and then he stood and left quickly. The tea master lowered his sword and went home, and for the rest of his life he carried on the tradition of the tea ceremony with dedication, grace, and a grateful heart. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Snow Queen's Ice Cream. Stay cool in the summer heat without breaking a sweat with a daily dose of Snow Queen's eternally chilled ice cream. All ice creams are produced in Snow Queen's glittering castle in Lapland, made from fresh cream from delighted cows, as well as organic almonds and coconuts for our much appreciated vegan community. On top of much-loved classics like Crystal Icicle or Creamy Snowball, you can now also enjoy this season's special flavors, Sleigh Ride and Winter Storm. This year's magical flavor, Castle of Dreams, will give you the ability of vivid daydreaming for up to 48 hours. Get Snow Queen's ice cream wherever you go for your daily dose of chill and cool. Perhaps you are one of the lucky few to find a golden ticket inside the wrapper and win a one-way trip to Snow Queen's Glittering Castle. Snow Queen's Ice Cream. Enjoy winter's magic in summer's heat. This episode is also brought to you by a whole bunch of new patrons. Yay! Lee-Anne, a fellow storyteller, can turn pebbles into chocolate just by clicking her fingers. Kiri can spot four-leaf clover from afar in any patch of green, while Atticus, her son, has the magical ability of finding every pot of gold at the end of every rainbow, even if that rainbow has faded a long time ago. Chris can draw the most fantastical creatures, and Andrew, his son, has the ability to breathe life into them so they leap right off the page, while Madeline, his sister, is uniquely gifted at taming those creatures simply by singing lullabies. I hear they have a fantastical circus at their house and put on delightful shows for their friends and neighbors. We hope that you all continue to enjoy the stories and whimsical little tales from our lives. And if you, dear listener, would like to help us reach our goal of 200 patrons by the end of the year, you can do so by becoming a patron today. If you sign up now, you'll get a postcard featuring one of the delightful fairy tale sponsor images and a lovely message from Rachel Ann very soon. Become a member of the patron team by going to patreon.com forward slash storystorypodcast or storystorypodcast.com. A glittering thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. You are the colorful sprinkles on our ice cream sundae. The face I was looking at was no longer my own. I was looking at a young woman in a stunning midnight blue ball gown. Diamonds sparkled around her neck and delicately dangling from her ears. Her hair was swept up in an intricate bun, also studded with diamonds like stars, and ringlets were framing her face. She was beautiful 
creamy skin and rosy cheeks, and the look in her eyes was somewhere between excited and nerve-wrackingly nervous. Just for a moment she leaned in and whispered something to herself, which I couldn't hear, and then the image blurred again and I looked into my own very confused eyes. Have you noticed anything unusual about the mirror? I asked my friend as she emerged from the kitchen, two chilled drinks in her hands. No, she replied, I haven't even had time to properly look at it. Things have been mad since yesterday. I didn't want to worry her or spoil the surprise of the magic mirror, so I said nothing. Joined around the balcony, we clinked our glasses, and against the backdrop of the mellow summer eve, we shared tales, laughed till we cried, happy tears running down my face. Quite some time later, I went to the bathroom, and on the way there, the mirror drew me in again. I noticed streaks of mascara down my cheeks, and as I wanted to rub them, the image blurred again. The same young woman appeared, she was equally beautiful as last time and even more dolled up. The dress she was wearing this time round was more opulent, with a gossamer white veil fixed to her hair. Her eyes were beaming and just as someone appeared behind her, the image vanished. Do you know anything about the history of this mirror? I asked my friend as I sat back down at the table. The sun was setting behind the houses, pouring golden light over the city. No, she said wistfully. I only know that it was made in Bohemia in 1850. But I do wonder, just imagine the things this mirror must have seen over the centuries. I nodded, deciding I would keep the reflection of the young woman to myself for now. And for the rest of the evening, I didn't get a chance to look at the mirror again, and I haven't spoken to my friend since. However, I am so curious if I'm going to see the young woman again and continue to see her story when I go back to my friend's place. I've been quite careful with mirrors since, and always wonder what stories they could tell me about the people who have washed themselves in them. What do you think? What could the mirrors in your own home tell you? The second teller for this episode is Cooper Brown, a Colorado-based storyteller and performer. Cooper discovered his love for storytelling as a child growing up without a television and first started out as an actor before turning to storytelling. He was featured at the National Storytelling Festival on the Exchange Play stage, and together with our own Rachel Ann, he runs the popular storytelling show Stories with Spirits. And in this episode, he shares the tale of Storyteller and Samurai. Once, long ago in Japan, an old storyteller walked along the road. His kimono was stained with the dust of his travels, his sandals were caked with mud, and as the sun set before him he could feel the cold of night begin to sink into those old bones. But he smiled, for there, silhouetted against the setting sun, he saw a dojo, a school of swordsmanship, where young samurai might come and apprentice with a great master. And in those days there was a tradition that a traveler arriving at a dojo, if he crossed swords with one of the students there, 
who would be given a meal and a place to sleep. He knocked there on the gates, and they were opened by a young man. Honored sir, welcome. What can we do for you tonight? Boy, I am here to challenge the master of your house so that I might earn my bowl of rice and my place by your fire. Grandfather, perhaps it is different where you come from, but here you need only cross wooden swords with me, a first-year student, and you will be given all you need. Perhaps I misspoke. I am not here to beg. I am here to challenge. And as I am a master of my craft, it is only right that it is your master I challenge. Honored sir, I beg you, please. When our master fights, he fights only with sharpened steel, and he leaves corpses behind him on the ground. Are you being insolent, or are you merely stupid? I have challenged your master, and if he does not appear for my challenge, then in all my travels, I will declare this house, its master, and its students cowards. And oh boy, I travel many places. The young man did not know what to do. He invited the old man into the courtyard. He brought him water to wash his hands and his face, and he made his way along the halls of his school until he came to his master's chambers. There he knocked, and he was admitted. Master, master, there is an old man at the gates. His hands tremble. He doesn't even wear a sword, and yet he challenges you over a bowl of rice and a mat by our fire. And when the master samurai had heard the story, he rose. He took down from its place of honor his long sword, his katana. He slipped it in the obi around his waist. If I am challenged, then I must meet this challenge. He began to walk through the halls of his school. And as he did, his students saw that sword, and they knew what it meant. By the time he emerged into the courtyard, it was lined with his students. He looked, and there across the courtyard sat an old man in a dust-stained kimono, washing the dust from his hands and his face. The old man smiled to see the master samurai. Sir, I am told you challenge me, but you do not wear a sword. One of my students will provide one for you. And it was a senior student who took his own sword and sheath from his obi and handed it to the old man. Thank you. The old man stepped forward. Shall we begin? The master samurai looked him up and down. He took his stance, he placed his hand upon his sword, and he took one step forward. But as he did, the old man held up two fingers. Once, long ago, across the sea, at the edge of a cliff, sat a house with a red door, and before the door of that house sat a girl with hair as black as midnight and eyes like falling stars. The Master Samurai took his hand from off his sword. He bowed. Our duel, sir, is done. 
I cede to you the field. He turned to walk from the courtyard, but as he did, he heard a whisper pass among his students. What was that our master to surrender without even drawing his sword? And he raised his hand for silence, and it was complete. My students, have I not told you time and time and time again that to be a warrior, a man must be present in every moment of battle, lest he be struck down? This old man, who did not need a sword, he took me to a place I have never been. He showed me sights I have never seen. And in that time, with but a flick of his wrist, he could have cut me down. He took me long ago and far away, and yet he brought me safely home again. And for that gift, the gift of my life, you, sir, shall have my place tonight at dinner. You shall sleep in my bed. And I shall fast, and I shall sit the night meditating before the ashes of the fire on the gift that you have given me. And so it was, and so it will be, for all those that tell stories, and all those who have the heart to listen. Thank you for listening to the Story Story podcast. Show the love. Find Anne Shimojima at anshimojima.com and Cooper Brown at storycrossroads.org. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and want to hear them tell more stories. Summer is indeed upon us, but alas, most of us are still unable to perform in real life, but will still keep telling stories with online events, which you, yes, you, can hear from the comfort of your own home. Go find your favorite tellers on the podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. You can connect with the podcast and Rachel Ann on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. And you can find me at isabelhauser.com. You can see the delightful fairy tale sponsor ads on the Story Story Podcast Instagram and Facebook page. And while you're there, let me know the favorite stories you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was, well, me and the summer heat that has arrived here in Switzerland over the past few days. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was indeed a bohemian mirror from 1850 that indeed my friend in a very fashionable apartment in Zurich bought. The music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, and to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day 
When the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court. Thank you.